I managed to inspire a political movement this year, and my podcast had a lot to do with that. Welcome to Podcasting Smarter, the podcast for and by podcasters. We interview podcasters for the real scoop on podcasting. Whether you're thinking about starting a podcast or have been podcasting for years, you'll find lots of inspiration, valuable lessons, and tips in our interviews. This podcast is brought to you by Podbean. Please visit podbean.com, the home for podcasters. Hello, podcast friends, and welcome to another episode of Podcasting Smarter. I'm your host, Jennifer Crawford, and today I am joined by Austin Peterson, the creator and host of the Freedom Report podcast. Let's hear it for liberty, freedom, and the pursuit of smarter podcasting. Welcome to the show, Austin. Thank you very much for having me on the show. I'm very excited to have you. I'm surprised you have the time considering uh, the political environment that we are, um, that's going on right now. Yeah, it's a strange place to be if you're the type of person who really cares about um, the old traditional style of constitutionalism, uh, limited government. Uh, we saw with the Republican National Convention that uh, a major split occurred when Senator Ted Cruz refused to endorse Donald Trump, the, the nominee. And that reflects a lot of what's going on in the undercurrents of even of both major parties, except the difference with uh, Senator Ted Cruz, for example, versus uh, Bernie Sanders is that Ted Cruz is willing to defy the party establishment and to go against the grain and not endorse, whereas Senator Bernie Sanders uh, appeared a bit less revolutionary than Cruz in that sense. So it is an interesting kind of dichotomy there that you see between the two major parties. Of course, I ran for president of the United States this year as a libertarian, the libertarian party. But we had a lot of that same sort of establishment, anti-establishment sentiment, even in our own uh, primary. And uh, we see this, uh, we see a lot of division going across, uh, going on across the United States. And uh, it's, it makes one wonder if unity was ever – how we ever managed to have a, a unified country of 50 states instead of 50 independent republics. Yeah, right. It was interesting. Yeah, Cruz is a little bit of a rebel. I was a little bit surprised to see that yeah. myself. Um, and I am not a Cruz fan, but you know, I am a fan of uh, rebellious spirits. So I, I definitely appreciated that. So I wanted to take a little bit, uh, just a couple minutes, because I want our audience to get a little more acquainted with you. So could you just say hi to our listeners and maybe tell them a little bit about yourself and the Freedom Report? Sure, sure. So I'm 35 years old. Uh, I am the owner of uh, some web properties. Uh, one is called uh, LibertyViral.com um, and the other one is the LibertarianRepublic.com. Both fairly popular news websites uh, with libertarian themes. And um, I own a small business that produces content for these sites. And one of my most popular uh, pieces of content that I create is the Freedom Report podcast, which a friend suggested to me three years ago when I started the podcast or when I started the websites. Is that oh you should do a podcast too? And I was like okay, and and I didn't realize at the time, but it was it was really and it still kind of is the wild wild west um, in terms of podcasting. You can go in, set up shop, and and mine for gold, and and there's 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 gold to be had. Uh, the podcasts are really uh, undergoing a renaissance. Whereas in, when they first came out, they were a big deal, and then they kind of disappeared for a while. But I think with the advent of Bluetooth technology coming into people's cars, people now can listen to podcasts on their way to work. So at the time when I started my podcast, it just received explosive growth. 
And we've had, uh, through Podbean, which thank you very much, my Podbean host, um, we've had 25 million downloads of the Freedom Report podcast, which is essentially just me and a microphone most of the time. Or sometimes I'll, I'll do Facebook live streams nowadays, and I'll rip the audio from those and upload them. And I mean, they just it, there's just a demand, a hunger for this kind of content. It's very exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. So when I hear 1 million downloads a month, I am thinking influence. What do you do with that? How do you take those downloads, which are people, those are a million people listening to your show. And because you have a, a mission behind your, your podcast, how do, you, how do you take those people and then further a cause? Good question. Um, people really, they, they want to believe in something. And, and that's, that's a natural instinct. And I think that's often what leads people down the wrong path. Because of it, it, it in itself is, um, you know, wanting leadership or someone to take the reins is as a kind of a natural human instinct. But the problem with that is that bad people sometimes, maybe uh, you know Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton, uh -huh, um, can take that instinct and they can divert people's useful energies into into un, unuseful things or things that I think are damaging. But I'm trying to build a movement of people here in the United States that are very concerned about the growth of government and the inter intrusion of government into our lives. And, and I'm trying to educate people about um, basic civic activism, constitutional rights, uh, social issues where, um, you know, things like the transgender bathroom issues. Where does this all shake out in terms of policy? I use my podcast as a way to get the message out to influence people towards the ideas that I care about that I think are good and right and true and virtuous and moral and just. And, and um, those, are all, those are all very weighted words, and, and lots of people can claim the mantle of justice or truth, or, or, and usually the type of people who do tend to be frauds or mountebanks because they, you know, they, those words, while they ring true, that people's words often don't match up with their, with their um, statements. But I think that, you know, I, I think that I demonstrate what are the, the kinds of um, principles that I espouse and that's why I ran for president of the United States this year on the third party ticket. I did quite well. I got very close. I took second place behind the, the nominee, uh, G Governor Gary Johnson. And uh, I managed to inspire a political movement this year. And my podcast had a lot to do with that because people who were wanting answers and wanted to know what I believe, well, <laughs> there's, there's two years worth of records of people who can go through. And, and they were, it happened quite, a, quite frequently during the campaign. People will say, oh, I, well, I discovered your podcast and now – you know, I, I remember listening to this show 117 for, you know, whatever reason it was, and they were go to, able to go through the archives. I, I'm actually surprised some of my political opponents didn't go into there and try and find some of my words and take them out of context and use them against me. But, um, but it's a very powerful, powerful tool to, to get the word out to the masses. Right. Okay. So I want to talk more about the power of podcasts to affect social and political change, but I want to go back because you mentioned the fact that, yes, podcasting is, is a powerful way to get out your message, but you could be getting out a an evil message. Sure. Like, Do you think Hitler would have had a podcast if he'd been able to? Sure. Sure. Without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, right. Mussolini. I mean, he was the, he was the master propagandist. Uh, and, right. and, and so if the, if the Nazis were alive today, and unfortunately there are still a few of those guys running around, um, right. you know, they do have their own podcast. As a matter of fact, there are some people, um, some very, very, very famous, very, very wealthy conspiracy theorist types who make lots of money. And what they're doing is no more, no different than what I'm doing. Maybe I'll be with higher production value, but, um, but yeah, bad guys do the, do take you, make use of this technology, which is why good people. 
good people have to stand up and, and to fight back. I mean, it, there's a famous statement that someone said that evil triumphs when good men do nothing. Um, and, yes, you know. yes. I, I, I'm a big believer in that. Absolutely. Okay, so knowing that, knowing that we have, you know, the opposing forces of good and evil who have the ability to spread their message to the masses with a relatively easy and inexpensive platform of podcasting, should the average person try to change the world with their podcast? Yes, but if you're going to, if you're an average person, I mean, like, I feel pretty average, but I feel like I've distinguished myself too in many ways. So you have, if you, you got to think big to be big. Um, and, right. And, and so in order for you to, if you have a little podcast, don't think, oh gosh, you know, I'm only going to reach, you know, this many people. Because I started out kind of thinking that way. And then I was surprised at the the depth of the reach that I was able to expand into. So it's to me, I think that it's it, it, a lot of it has to do with your attitude. And your audience will connect with you based on the type of attitude that you project, what you put out there, you will get back. And in essence, it's kind of like the cosmic karma. Uh, if you create a bright, sunny, happy, fun podcast, you're probably going to attract that kind of a personality type. If you put out something like, you know, like, like Adolf Hitler, you're probably going to attract some Nazis. So what you put out, you will get back. Um, and that's honestly, that's a good thing for people, no matter what your ideological stripe is, whether you're a Nazi, a communist or a, or a, uh, or a conservative or a libertarian or a liberal, whatever you call yourself, um, if you want to attract like-minded people, putting out a podcast regularly and communicating the ideas that you believe, you're going to attract like attracts like in that sense. So you're going to attract people to you that may be helpful to you in advancing your idea, your cause, or even in marketing your business. Right. So how, how important is it, do you think, like for you to have strong opinions on your podcast? Like there is, I've listened to your podcast because mm -hmm. I, I listened to the shows before I, I talked to their hosts. So there is no doubt about your beliefs, you know, what you, what you think. I mean, you definitely have strong opinions and that makes people feel something, right? They're either, you know, a hundred percent behind you or they get angry. Do you think it's important for a podcaster to to have a strong opinion, no, a point of view? No. As a matter of fact, no. you know, it's, you'll probably be much more successful if you never offer your opinion. <laughs> because, you know, because you alienate people. Um, it's dangerous to reveal how you truly feel. It's dangerous to uh, – that's why politicians, most politicians – are always doing everything they can to sound as if they're saying something when they're in, in essence, they're saying nothing. Um, and so if you really want to reach the broadest audience as possible, the best thing to do is to never reveal what is in your true heart and your feelings to, because that, because that is, it's dangerous. It's, it is very dangerous to reveal what you, what you truly feel because people will then, well, Austin, you know, I would, yeah, oh, I'm sorry. I would just, I would completely agree with you except that you have a million downloads a month. Right. So you're playing dangerously and it's paying and off. Getting, uh, it's paying off. So why wouldn't somebody else want to take that same risk? It, well, be, you know why? Because I may get a million mo a month, but it's not 10 million a month. I'm not Sean Hannity on Fox News. I'm not Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not a superstar. I mean, you know, some people might say I'm D list at best. So, um, and, and in many ways I have lost career opportunities because of my strong opinions. Uh, and, and I have seen, uh, I've lost opportunities because, um, I wouldn't kind of sell out and, and shut up and, you know, sit down and shut up. And so it does, it does it, your approach of how you do things depends on what you want. I mean, some people are relentless careerists 
and they care nothing for for philosophy. They care nothing for principles, only their career. And in that case, if that's if that's what you are, then if it's just a career, then be very careful about airing your opinions. Otherwise, if you're going to be like me and you're going to be a bomb thrower and stuff like that, you got to commit. You got to go full blown and just deal with the consequences. Yeah. Right. I guess you really have to know the purpose behind your show because, for instance, you know, I've read through your background and you're clearly a creative person. You have a degree in fine arts. You've written plays. You've acted. So I know for a lot of people, me included, I think of podcasting as an art form. And in art, there has to be truth, which means speaking authentically, speaking your heart, speaking your truth. And so um, squashing that, I guess, would have to be a deliberate choice. Yes. And you would have to be podcasting for another reason. Sure. Uh, but also think about this. Um, some people go into the, something for some reason, and then by the time it's all over, sometimes they've created a monster. Um, and think about this. Let's say you get into a podcast. Let's say you start doing a show, and you are going to air your opinions or what you believe is true at one time. And let's say you built up a media empire. Let's say that, that your podcast grew from a podcast into a video episode and your video episode turned into a show and your show all of a sudden turned into a studio and, and, and all of a sudden you've got employees and people hanging on you. Now, let's say that the, the weight of evidence suddenly comes down go up in opposition to everything that you had believed, you know, maybe four or five years ago before all the fame, before all the success, before all the money, the sponsorships, the advertisements, the PR agents and every all the, you know, the appearances on talk shows. Before all that comes to you, if if the if the circumstances change, what if what if would you just what walk away? Would you just walk away from all the money? Would you what and you realize if, even if you realize you were wrong, wouldn't the incentive be so powerful for you to continue the lies that that it would make it so that it would be nearly insurmountable? Because if you have family, kids to feed, your employees have family, kids to feed but you knew that you were wrong, wouldn't you have a powerful incentive to continue even if it was a falsehood? Well, I gave myself a safety valve because when I started my show, I said, and even when I started my presidential run, I said to everyone, I said, listen, I want to be intellectually honest. If, if evidence comes in and, and, and I reserve the right to change my mind, and that is my safety valve because I, I want to be skeptical and know that if I'm wrong, I need to be able to admit that I'm wrong and change my opinion based on the facts. But you understand that most people, they lose their audiences. The way that it works is, is that if you alienate your audience, and believe me, I have alienated my audience many times by changing my opinions or being controversial. But if you do, you lose market share. You lose value in the marketplace. Look what's happening to Ted Cruz right now. I think he lost 25% of his Facebook followers last night. That is a real, that is a real consequence to free speech. Free speech doesn't mean free from the consequences of speech. So there are there are powerful incentives that come into play when you start to play the media game at the higher levels. You make some very good points. Although I would venture to guess that Cruz is going to gain some Facebook sure. likes from people that might not have even considered giving him the time of day. So well, he gets a better quality audience. Maybe there's that. Well, yeah, well, here's the thing. The 25% of people that left anyway, they never truly understood his, his, his true character anyway. So, and, and that happens to me quite frequently when I voice a very controversial opinion that goes with the great mass majority of my followers. I lose followers, and, um, and, but, but the followers who stay, the followers who remain, are strengthened because, the, because they see that I have the resolve and that I'm not willing to pander or, or to tell people only what they want to hear. And there is a certain group of people 
that will respond to that. And those those people tend to be more intellectual. They tend to be more loyal. They tend to be better people anyway. Fickle people, well, you didn't need them anyway. That's why Machiavelli, the, from The Prince, the, his whole thing was that because people were fickle, that it was better to have people fear you than love you. Because love is a fickle emotion, and they, people can love you one day and leave you the next. But if they fear you, then they will. it is a much more powerful motivator. Um, I, I don't uh, particularly uh, ascribe to that brand of politics, but you can see why politicians tend to want fear more than they want love. And so it takes a brave person to, um, to, turn, to turn some of their own followers away. Yeah, I, th I think you're absolutely right. Um, and I think there are a lot of podcasters out there taking a lot of those kind of risks out there because a lot of times uh, things come out of our mouths before we know it yes. <laughs> and, and they don't get edited yes. out and uh, it's out there for the world to hear. Um, okay, so when we were talking about podcasts affecting social and political change, what do you see in the future for podcasts? Do you think we're going to see more long-form journalism, activists taking uh, taking to the, the platform to to try to make some some important change in the world? I do. I, and it, it's honestly, it's the... Um it's it's the real life story of what libertarians talk about frequently. We talk about decentralization uh, because we tend to um, despise centralized power, even if it's government power. Right. That's one thing. But then corporations have power too. the media companies, the mainstream media. They are, they still have a lot of power and control. And so when it comes to podcasts, in, in essence, what we're showing is, is that the marketplace is decentralizing the narrative because the media controls the narrative the media controls the narrative but it is also a reflection of the narrative a lot of times people want to blame the media for bad politics they'll say the reason why everybody's so dumbed down nowadays is because of the media but the media people like myself you know yourself i'm the media you're the media we are simply reflecting what people's wants and desires are because if there's no demand then we're not going to supply it so when it comes to the future of media, I think the decentralization and the de uh, the decoupling of power from the major media institutions and, and the people is going to give we the people a much stronger voice. And we're going to see some revolutionary changes, I believe, in the next 100 years, because, well, first of all, we see a, we tend to see a revolution about every 10 years, especially the, the speed of technology that's going now. I think podcasts will be a very, very important part in, in advancing individualism because here I am as an individual without a major media company or studio or major corporate sponsors backing me, and I have a, a thriving media company as an individual, just a couple of employees, but because my podcast has such a wide reach, I, I, I'm, able to, I'm able to broadcast my message, make an income, uh, and and be very controversial and radical, and not I don't have to sell out. That's the thing is is that people we have look at right today. I'm uh, Roger Ailes stepped down from Fox News today. This is earth shattering news in the in the world of media. But but if if I step down, my my podcast just ceases to exist, right? You know, it only affects a few few people. In the future, things like people like Roger Ailes, they. They won't be necessary. You won't have to have the gatekeepers because we, we're inventing new new bridges. Podcast is building bridges. The goal of the old media was to keep people like me out so that we weren't competition for them. But because they now the, the internet has leveled the playing field, I can compete with people like you know Glenn Beck, or I could compete with um, you know major media figures and icons. Uh, and, you know I'm certainly not on their level yet, but I'm I'm hot on their heels. 
and and the the, yeah, the, the power has begun to shift, and it's because of these tools. Okay, and I and I love that, and I agree with you. Do we as podcasters though have to still be careful because we're already starting to see networks develop? of, you know, collecting some of the the more successful podcasts. Like, for instance, you have a good degree of success being, extre- you know, completely independent. Mm-hmm. Does that mean you would not consider joining a network because you wouldn't want to be beholden to, to maybe um, advertisers or, you know, their idea of what their network needs to be? In other words, like, you could easily uh, put yourself in a, a position where you're selling out sure. if you're not careful. Absolutely. And uh, it's very dangerous. So I want to be careful. And I've been able to avoid it thus far. I think I'll probably going to be okay for for the foreseeable future. Um, but yes, there is a, there is absolutely danger in that. Um, but I, here's the thing. I already have to bow to uh, the most powerful uh, arbiter. That's the, the free market. Because if I'm not providing my customers with the product that they want, if I'm not making good pro- uh, content, if I'm not making a good podcast, <coughs> excuse me, they're not going to listen. They're not going to come and they're not going to listen. So they are the most powerful motivator, more than any advertiser, because advertisers are cheap. Advertisers you can get anywhere. Every, obviously, everybody wants the big sponsors, you know, whatever. But but you know, if if one coffee company doesn't want to sponsor me, you know, there's gonna there's gonna be a thousand more that are going to want to do it. So the advertisers can can say, oh hey, we're going to pull our contract and 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 I can go find another one. But what I can't find is another audience. If I alienate my audience completely, then I lo- I lose the game. Okay, so speaking of your audience, what do you know about them and how do you engage with them? I know many of them personally. Uh, many of them have become, uh, some of them have come on to become my employees. Um, many of them are, are friends. Many of them are, are family. Uh, but a million people a month, there's a lot of people that I don't know. Uh, about. Do you have a general sense of, yeah, a, you know, a, are they all libertarians? No. Are they from other political factions? No, uh, yes. I, I pull, in terms of political ideology, I would say it's a slight majority of, of libertarians. My audience is probably around 60% libertarians and 40% independents and, in, in, you know, Republicans, Democrats, everybody. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Sorry, I had a little bit of cold. Excuse me. <coughs> That's okay. They are, yeah, they are they are very diverse, and and that's because I am not I, I'm a, a libertarian ideologue in many ways, but I'm also a heretic. I don't um, conform to the sort of dogmatic, doctrinal type of of um, like thought police. There, there there are thought police out there in every movement, and uh, I, I really chafe at that as an independent thinker. So while I do consider myself a libertarian, I think the fact that I am willing to buck even the establishment of my own movement shows that it, to, to people who listen to my show every month, it shows them that I'm not just a mindless partisan hack, just defending a set of principles because it was written in a book by somebody and, and thus it is the truth. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm still a truth seeker. And that is a much more powerful, powerful draw than someone who was just a, a mindless ideologue for some political party or for, for some set of ideals. Um, I'm championing the truth. I'm championing, you know, honesty and justice and, and what is right. And when I'm wrong, I'll tell you I'm wrong and I'll back away from it. And you know what? People who have that kind of mindset, they seek out other truth seekers and other light bringers. And I think that that's what, my, what drives my audience more than just the libertarians who, are, who tend to be attracted to independent thinkers in general. 
Yeah, I, I I like that. I think um, we probably need a lot more independent thinkers in our country right yeah. now. <laughs> okay, so moving away a little bit from the philosophical discussion, I want to ask you a more tactical uh, question. So you've been extremely successful with social media. I wanted to know if you could give our podcasters some advice on how to do a successful social media campaign. What what does that look like? So it's just like, think of your um, followers or fans or whoever online, you, whoever you're connected to, think of them as like customers, right? And if you're going to make a post about something, add value. Like don't think about what you want to post about because it's it's sort of like my background in theater and, and production and uh, television. I, I learned that it's, I, I could love some very narrow esoteric topic and want to talk about it all day or think some person is fascinating and brilliant and love to share them with the world. But if nobody reads it or watches it, then what was the point? Why did I work so hard? Why did I write this post on social media if nobody read the post or liked the post? What is it that the people want? Give the people what they want. And that is, in essence, that's real capitalism. You know, whether it's Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks or whatever, they're serving customers' needs. They're not serving what kind of st- coffee necessarily that they like. Yeah, the, the board of directors or whatever, they may like Starbucks coffee or Dunkin' Donuts coffee. But, um, but if they're not giving a good product to the customers, it doesn't matter what they like. What matters is what the customer wants. So if you think of your fans or followers, if you think of them as, as customers, ask yourself, what is it that – that they want. What do they want to hear? Now, you shouldn't always necessarily be pandering, but you're asking me what it takes to be successful. There's a difference between being successful and being correct, <laughs> right? So doing something that's right. Okay. So if you're, you're talking in terms of capitalism, mm-hmm. if I buy a Dunkin' Donuts coffee, I give them, you know, couple dollars in exchange. So what is the what is the social currency here? You post something that you believe is of value to your audience. What's the value of the retweet or the share? Is there a dollar amount on yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, there is actually. And uh, it, it, it depends. So it's it's all about CPMs. So for so CPMs, right. CTRs and you know the quality of your audience and how well they respond. So, so it, generally, it's about a buck fifty per thousand. So, um, you know, if anybody of your audience here is familiar with Google AdSense, uh, they have RPMs instead of CPMs, revolutions per minute. And in essence, what it means is that for every thousand people who for who see an ad, um, you're going to get about a buck fifty. And uh, if the percentage of your audience who who um, uh, happen to click on the ad, if it's a high percentage of people that click on ads, then you're you're signaling to the advertisers that your audience, not only do they come in at high numbers, but they click at high numbers, then you tend, that means you have a higher audience, you're going to get higher ad rates. So yeah, in essence, you can, you can quantify how much a social media post is worth, because if you, if you are monetizing your content, um, and with that's, and you can do that in so many different ways. Uh, which I actually have not properly monetized my podcast, by the way. I'm 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 leaving a lot of money on the table, and mostly it's because I was going to yeah, ask you about yeah, that. It, I've I've monetized it in the past, and I've done I've done things to make money from it. But because some of in order for me to do something like uh, to engage with Podbean's sponsorship or or selling of podcasts, uh, the program, um, I would lose access to iTunes. I was going to actually mention that earlier because it, um, iTunes makes it – you can't sell podcasts on iTunes. You, you, can't ha- you have to have a free podcast. 
And because I wanted to build up the audience first, um, I haven't really properly monetized the podcast yet, but I'm actually looking for someone to come in and do ad sales for me. So I'm hoping to uh, pick up some of that money that's left on the table. Oh, okay. Yeah. And um, I don't know if this is good advice for you, but I talked to a, a previous guest and the way they have gotten around the iTunes issue is they they limit the number of episodes, I want to say to like six episodes on iTunes at mm-hmm. a time. And then when they fa- when an episode falls off iTunes, then in order to listen to it, you can listen to it for free until it gets bumped down. And then to access it, then you have to pay for the premium Um the premium of whatever dollar ninety nine or something. So that's how they've done it. Um, that's how they've gotten around it, which I thought was clever. So I'll repeat okay. that to yeah. anybody that might be interested. Um, okay. Oh my gosh, Siri just picked up on my voice and tried to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So who's your favorite libertarian? Clint Eastwood, Penn Jillette, or Elon oh, Musk? Gosh, that's a tough question. Penn Jillette for sure. And I, I got, I, okay. I got so lucky. Uh, when I was in Las Vegas uh, in May, there was the presidential debate, and it was actually moderated by Penn Jillette. Uh, and I was one of the three qualifiers for the debate. It was myself, John McAfee, the the cybersecurity uh, pioneer, and um, and Gary Johnson. And the three of us got to debate with Penn Jillette asking the questions. And I w- I got to see his show and hang out with him backstage. And and I got to know him personally a little bit that evening. Uh, He has always been a huge hero of mine and a big influence. I loved his show on Showtime, which is a bad word that I can't say because I'm sure there's probably some ratings on this. But um, the the Pendulette has been probably the biggest libertarian influence on me. Clint Eastwood is pretty good. But uh, and Elon Musk is fantastic, but nobody comes close to Pendulette. Yeah, I, I hear you. Not a bad one in the in the bunch, really. Okay, so thinking of libertarian principles in general, podcasters are responsible for every aspect of their show, and every decision, it, it's good or bad, comes down to them. So, in your opinion, what kinds of decisions can a podcaster make to be to be a better podcaster? I would say find your niche, right? So find a niche that that exists that isn't being served, or if it is being served, it's not being served properly. I always believed that libertarianism was not was suffered not from a but from having bad ideas, but from having bad marketing. So I thought if I had a libertarian podcast that was entertaining and that sort of followed the mainstream news model of talking about the biggest news of the day and and tying my ideas into into the biggest news of the day then you might be successful right so if you're if you're a news podcast i mean you have to cover the biggest breaking news of the day and you have to cover it in a way that nobody else is doing again you must find what makes you unique if you just try and do what everybody else is doing in some ways you're probably going to fail but if you're going to do what everybody else is doing in, in terms of creating news or creating a podcast you you need to offer some unique value proposition, and my unique value proposition is is my um, uh, prof- my professional um, aspirations with my entrepreneurial uh, uh, website and all my business and my magazine, which a lot of libertarians are trying, but which not very very few are able to be competitive with. But if let's say you're a a, a chef, what if you're a chef and and you're an amazing chef? Why don't you start a podcast on the weekends and talk about like the, your love for cooking and, and your recipes and share, share your unique knowledge with the crowd and put it out there on the internet and people will come and they will listen. If you build it, they will come, essentially. So like, 
yeah. Excellent yeah, advice. Like I said, it's a wild, wild west. So get out there and dig for gold. Yep. Okay, Austin, is there anybody living or dead that you wished had a podcast? Ooh, uh, yes, Mark Twain. Um, always loved Mark Twain, satire. Oh. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, big, big influencer of mine. Uh, and uh, more recently, perhaps uh, Christopher Hitchens, who passed away recently, I was a big fan of. Um, and uh, yeah, I listen to lots of podcasts. Uh, Bill Maher is one of my favorites. Uh, I do like, um, I, I listen to everybody left and right. And, and every, people I, even people I disagree with, because I just, I, I think it's smart to, to listen to things to, to make sure that you're not, you know, BSing yourself. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, there's my greatest influences, Mark Twain, Thomas Jefferson, you know, George Washington, the founders, many of the founders, the enlightenment thinkers, the, the real liberals, not in the American sense, the modern American sense, but the liberals who are now Democrats in, in essence, but the old classical liberals, the old enlightenment thinkers, Voltaire, the French philosopher. I mean, the, the old, wouldn't you just love to listen to a podcast by Aristotle? I mean, come on. You know, uh, yeah. the, the Plato, the, to hear the speeches of the, the ancient Greek philosophers, I, I, I mean, that would, be, that would be amazing to me. It's very nerdy, but uh, that's what I would like. No, I think that's incredible. I just, I love the imagery of that and, and how, how much wisdom would be coming across the airway. Yeah, I mean, what about Shakespeare? <laughs> I mean, imagine if Shakespeare had been, well, how much more prolific could Shakespeare have been? Or maybe not. Maybe he would have just wasted all his time on his podcast and never written to be or not to be. <laughs> I would like to see a podcast with Leonardo da Vinci and Elon oh, Musk boy. together co-hosting. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't that be good? Yeah, polymath, both of them, just br brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> brilliant yeah. minds, uh, past yeah. and present. Okay, here's a fun question. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. If there was a podcast about the life of Austin Peterson, what would it be called? Best Times from Peculiar Missouri. I don't <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, so if, for, if that doesn't make sense to people, you, uh, you're you from a town that's actually called Peculiar, Missouri. Yeah, I was born in Independence, raised in Peculiar, just a short drive from a town called Liberty. And I, I used that to imply that I was kind of the chosen one for the Libertarian Party, but they didn't, they didn't, they didn't <laughs> seem to think so because they didn't choose me. But um, but uh, the, I don't mind. I, you know, I really don't know. It's very, very difficult to be uh, objective when analyzing yourself. I have my strengths and weaknesses, and, and usually your weaknesses exist because you have a blind spot somewhere. Um, and most people don't want to see it because usually it's the, the truth is too hard for them to come in, in contact with. So maybe, maybe I have some, some difficult truths of things about myself that I really need to face up to. And, and, and maybe that's that, you know what, that's probably what would make the most interesting part of the show because nobody wants to see the made for TV image that you create for yourself. Everybody wants to see the dirt, the nitty gritty. They want to talk about my relationships. They want to know like, you know, who am I going out on a date with Friday night and what did they say and what happened after? You know, that, that's what people really want to talk about. That's why gossip magazines like People or Life or all that are happening. So if you wanted a popular podcast about me, don't let me create it because I'm just going to give you the non-personal stuff and make it look, make me look amazing. But uh, if some – after right. I die, they may go through all my Facebook messages and say, oh, hey, there was a lot better story here than Austin ever told us. So maybe we'll make a little podcast about it. So who knows? Well, yeah, I think I might, you know, have the unauthorized podcast of Austin <laughs> Peterson someday. There you go. There you go. <laughs> okay. 
I've loved this discussion. I think you've uh, provided our audience with a lot of great information. So I'm sure they're going to want to look you up online and listen to your show. How can everybody Very find simple. you? My last name is spelled the Danish way. So it's Peterson, but it's with all E's, no O's. That's P-E-T-E-R-S-E-N. If you type in Austin Peterson, you're going to find a lot. You're going to find a lot of nice things, and you're going to find a lot of not, not nice things. Um, that's what happens when you run for president. So you'll find my Facebook page. Uh, if you go to Facebook and you type in Austin Peterson, it's got the blue check mark. Um, LibertyViral.com, pretty simple. The TheLibertarianRepublic.com, also pretty simple to find. You can find them on Facebook and Twitter and, and you go to the websites themselves. Um, and uh, if you go to AustinPeterson.com right now, that's currently under construction. But uh, the best place to get my daily news and opinions, uh, it's going to happen on Facebook. And then my podcast, of course, The Freedom Report exists at the libertarianrepublic.podbean.com. But if you type in Austin Peterson, The Freedom Report, it's going to pop up first thing in your Google search. So it shouldn't be too hard. And we will, of course, include links to all of that in our show notes. So you'll be able to find all of that in one place next week when this uh, show is published. Thank you so much, Austin, for your time. I, I really did enjoy our conversation. And uh, I wish you the best in your the next time you run for yeah, president. Thanks a lot. <laughs> the next time. We'll see. But thank you so much for, uh, for everything you guys do. Um, I'm really excited about my partnership with Podbean. You guys do a great job and uh, lots of great options. And I, I always recommend you to, to people and I hope you guys get a lot of great business and continue to grow in the future. Wow, thank you so much. That means a lot to us. <laughs> Thanks again. Have a great evening. Thanks for joining us for Podcasting Smarter. You can check our show notes at podcast.podbean.com for links and details. Please like our podcast, leave your comments, and help us spread the word to other podcasters so we can bring you more great episodes with podcasting tips and inspiration from fellow podcasters. If you want to connect with other podcasters or get interviewed on this podcast, please join our Podcasting Smarter Facebook group. We look forward to welcoming you to the community. Happy podcasting!